Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Steelers Draft Talk. I'm your host, Derek Bell. With me is my good buddy, Nick Martin. Today, we got a very special episode for you guys. Nick and I are going to do a mock draft for the pod. So something we talked about this week, wanted to give you guys something kind of special. Um, I, I know that on my Twitter timeline, it seems like mock draft season is uh, well in flux. I see uh, screenshots of mock drafts every single day. People hitting me up in my DMs. Hey, what do you think about this mock draft? So got with Nick. We decided that we're going to do um, a mock draft for you guys just to try to give you guys some you know, names to watch where we think this year could potentially go. Maybe some player fits that we like as well along the way. But first, Nick, how we doing, brother? Doing great, man. Doing great. It's always great when you start seeing all those mock, PFF mock draft simulators. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, we can get all, all these players in through seven rounds. And I'm like, mm, I don't know about that because, you know, <laughs> as we get through the process, you know, things change. A lot of, a lot of guys start, quote, rising, even though it's more of just the public becoming more keen to, like, how the NFL will view certain prospects. And, you know, that's that's going to be the fun part about it is just watching those guys, you know, go from like seventh round to like fourth round, maybe or yep. something like that. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's a good point, too. Um, I, I do want to just put some disclaimers out there. You know, my drafts, um, they're not my favorite thing. They're, there's a reason why I just don't do a ton of them. I, I'll do a couple for the site just as like write ups. Um, but, you know, mock drafts are fun. I think that they're great for the fan base. Obviously, uh, NFL draft fans or NFL fans in general love mock drafts more than anything in the world. So uh, I think it's awesome that we'll be able to provide, you know, some good content for you guys in that regard. Just keep in mind, too, we'll we'll have a better idea on, like, players' value. We got a long way to go throughout the draft process. We still have the combine. We still got the all-star circuit all those things. So there's a lot of steps that really need to take place in order for us to not just figure out like the final pieces to the puzzle involving the prospects themselves, but also as it relates to, you know, specific team needs after free agency, as it relates to team interest in certain positions or certain players, all those things become more evident down the line. So as we get closer to draft season, whether they're written publications or whether we do another mock draft on the pod, if you guys like that, maybe we'll look into doing so. Um, just keep in mind, it'll get more predictive later in the process. This is more of a blend of, you know, kind of some things that we would like, some guys that we think are good fits, um, while also talking about, you know, what we could see the Steelers really doing in these situations. For sure, for sure. Let's see here. All right. Um and just another full disclosure type of thing. Me and Nick did not talk about our mocks before we hopped on. Like we sent each other the mocks uh, right before we hit record. So um, these are, you know, fresh ideas. They're not anything like we bounced off of each other. I think that you guys are going to enjoy um, just how different the styles are and how um, we took kind of drastically different paths on how we 
formulated the last bit of this roster. So um, I think it'll be good to get where we're going here. I think you guys are going to like it. So uh, without further ado, let's start with the first round, first pick of the mock draft. I'm going to go first um, with the 17th pick. I'm going to take Devon Witherspoon from Illinois. So full disclosure, I just got done doing a 32, 31 team, I guess, mock draft um, this week. And Witherspoon was my pick for the Steelers. And I think there's just a lot to like with his game. I finished his eval a couple weeks ago. I think that the Steelers are going to fall in love with him throughout the process. Um, you look at a confident corner who has major, major cover skills. I love the short area burst, the acceleration, able to quick click and close, physical. He just has that right demeanor that you look for in a standout cornerback. You know, he's extremely confident, cocky, trash talker. Um, I love watching this kid play. And when I think about the Steelers and kind of the way that their defense has shifted to more of a man coverage defense, uh, the two things that really stick out to me in terms of what Terrell Austin and Mike Tomlin want defensively right now is, um, you know, they want to be able to play man coverage. They played the man coverage at the third highest rate last season. And then they want to be able to take the football away. And, you know, the amount of times that Witherspoon is able to play the ball at the catch point, you know, he was like second or he was top five and forced in completions um, in the NCAA last season constantly getting his hands on the football constant like he had a couple interceptions as well um, I just think that the ball skills the demeanor the overall profile and what he brings he's exactly what the Steelers want at that position so that's why Witherspoon was a pick for me yeah it makes a lot of sense especially when we're gonna go into uh, the other corners and you know Christian Gonzalez all those guys they're gonna be those traitsy long guys that'll probably end up rising more like into the top 10 mm-hmm. and you know teams like those bigger, taller, longer corners, and they t- typically prioritize them much earlier in the draft. So you might see a guy like Witherspoon end up falling a little bit more than maybe his film might suggest. Mm-hmm. But, but overall, like, you know, he has those, he has those, tra- he has the traits, he has the film that you want to see in an adequate corner for sure. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing that kind of drew me to Witherspoon. I just I think that the film is so good, even if the measurables aren't going to, you know, pop off the sheet of paper and he's not going to blow away the combine. And, you know, I think Gonzalez for me is CB1 at the moment. I've still got to get around to like finish an eval um, evals on Joey Porter and a couple of the other guys. Um that I don't have as much tape on, but I just think Gonzalez to me is going to end up going inside the top 10 because of those things that you mentioned, the measurables, the incredible fluidity that he has for a bigger corner. I mean, he has the exact type of build that you look for in a guy that's going to be taken inside the top 10. And I think that he's going to end up there once we get through the process. So he wasn't available to me in my theoretical mock. So that's why I went with Witherspoon, who I think, you know, just in terms of film, has probably the cleanest film that I've seen so far out of a cornerback prospect. So, um, you know, I, that's that's where I started off my mock draft. Uh, where are you going with your first pick? So with my first pick, I'm going to go with the popular uh, opinion of Steelers Nation it. and go with Jordan Addison at pick 17. And I have a few different reasons for doing that pick overall. One, I think Addison has a very clean overall film in terms of his, in terms of the traits you want to see in terms of his ability to get open 
really good tape versus some of the best corners in all of college football. You love seeing him rise to that level of competition. Nuanced release package. That's a that's a big thing. You know, you want to see guys who can, if they don't have that 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 frame to be able to handle that type of press coverage, can they keep their can they keep their chest clean? Can they be able to find a way to, you know, avoid that contact? And while it's not consistent, he shows a lot of those traits that you want to see. And he was very effective out of the slot. Pittsburgh needs a slot wide receiver technically. And, you know, the rumors of Deontay Johnson, whatever's going on with him, I'm not going to speculate. I don't ca- I don't really care overall. <laughs> but when it comes to, you know, your options in this draft, I figure when I look at this corner draft, it reminds me a lot of the wide receiver draft of last year where all the under where pretty much every single underclassman, it felt like declared and it really bolstered that group. And that's what I see with this corner group. And with wide receiver being a little bit, you know, it's it's not as strong of a group at the top, but it's also Agreed. weaker in terms of depth. And that's the thing that you have to consider with the draft. And, you know, you have to figure that Pickett's going to, you know, he's going to be lobbying for his guy hard. You know, you want to see, you know, it's it's not going to be like the Jamar Chase and, and Joe Burrow. They're not, you know, they weren't pick one in like, you know, top five picks. You know, it's not like that, but, you know, it's a very familiar guy that you can pl- that you can play with. He's among the top wide receivers in, in this class. There's a lot of translatable traits, and I figure it would make a lot of sense, especially to see, you know, how a mock like this might evolve if you take a wide receiver that early, you know, because you're going to have other bigger positions of need for sure. Yeah, speaking of Addison, I mean, I, I'm in the boat of – while wide receiver probably isn't my number one favorite position to target, if Addison's there at 17, I'm on board as long as you have a plan for him in year one in Canada's offense. Because yeah. you talked about, you know, the Steelers have their outside receivers and Deontay Johnson, George Pickens kind of already in place. Addison can function as that slot receiver. It's just a question of we haven't really seen a receiver in that position, whether it be the brief stretches of Chase Claypool, um, Juju you know, Steven Sims, Juju Smith-Schuster, we haven't seen that position be very productive. And, you know, those guys have been productive, at least Claypool and Juju and other systems. So I do think that that's like really the bigger concern with me. In terms of Addison, I know the move to USC probably frustrated Pittsburgh fans because of the way that it went down. Um, you know, and, and I get that from a fan perspective, but I, I do think that the move to USC was a beneficial thing for his draft profile even if I thought his tape at USC wasn't as impressive as it was at Pitt. And the reason why I say that he improved in a couple different areas that I really wanted to see improvement from him on, even if other areas, he might've taken a little bit of a step back, but he answered some questions for me on film. And you talked about the varied release package, his ability to be pressed. We saw that more because we got to see him play on the outside at USC. And that's not something we really saw at Pitt. So that was kind of a box that he checked for me. Um, And then just, as well, um, I thought he was more natural catching the football this year. Um, two, away only, from his frame, yeah, two drops, only, yeah, right, two drops. So, um, you know, that those were all encouraging things uh, to me that I saw on film. I don't know specifically um, if we're gonna see a receiver taken before seventeen. I just don't. I, I don't know that there's that guy in this class that the NFL is gonna fall universally fall in love with. Of course, it only takes one team, but you know, just with the the depth of the class being a little more shallow then in recent years and then just it not being not having that top tier talent up top i do see where 
you could make the argument for taking a guy like Addison at 17, even if it's not the necessarily greatest need maybe on the roster. So, yeah. Who you got? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do it snake style. So, um, yeah. I'm gonna let Nick go back for his second round pick. This uh, this first pick of the second round, pick 32, is courtesy of the Chase Claypool trade. Thank you again, Chicago. Thank you again, Chicago, for <laughs> giving us basically a first round pick. <laughs> and with that first, and with that 32nd overall pick, I would select linebacker Drew Sanders from Arkansas. And when it comes to Linebackers in this class, it's a very divisive group. Very. A lot, you know, a lot of ranging opinions on Noah Sewell. Some people might view him as the best linebacker in this class. Some might not even view him in the top five of his group. And in a weaker group, you know, that's 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 pretty concerning, especially when you have a have a need at linebacker. Drew Sanders, to me, I have just started getting to his film. He has the so far he has the best best mix of traits and film of the linebackers in this class. He's a taller guy with some with some range. He's got some length to be able to disengage from blocks and he could he could rush the passer surprisingly well and like you talk about that versatility you like seeing with your linebackers, especially with Pittsburgh, they love to blitz with their off-ball linebackers in the past. You remember guys like Vince Williams, Lawrence Timmons, those types of guys, you know, being able to be versatile with your defense and have those types of guys that you can change around the formation and not know who's rushing the passer. And I think that's a really appealing part about Drew Sanders' game when it comes to the pass rush ability because there's a surprising amount of power, um, finesse, with when it comes to his ability to to win as a pass rusher, but there's range too as with his ability to get downhill and you know shoot the gap. Like he he's consistently trying to make a play. It's his film is not perfect, but you love what you're seeing with the traits and in terms of the film as a as a whole when you when it comes to projecting to the next level and Pittsburgh has a need at off ball linebacker, they might, you know, go into the Tremaine Edmonds role, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, hole, um, in the off season and free agency. We don't know about that, but I figure even if they do or they don't, Drew Sanders is the type of talent that you want to bring into that linebacking group and really just invigorate what has been an absolutely dreadful unit since, since Ryan Shazier's injury and and Vince Williams' retirement. Yeah. Sanders is a really interesting prospect. I just recently got around to him. Um, I do I, I think he's incredibly explosive. Like there there are moments where you just you see how physical and violent he is and those short, explosive in those short uh ranges. You brought up the ability as a pass rusher. I saw Arkansas use him in a myriad of different ways as a pass rusher, you know, whether it be off stunts, off blitzes, different gaps. He can be incredibly disruptive. Um, I have I need to watch a little bit more film because I don't know that his projection, at least for me personally, is as simple as like off ball linebacker. I think you might have to get a little more creative for him because I want to yeah. see I wanted to see more a little more consistency in terms of like block deconstruction. 
um, in his film. But again, I only watched I only watched like six quarters. I, I, I he was a guy that's on my list for this week. He does so. play pretty tall in his pad level. So that was something you know, I noticed too. And he and he's like listed around like six five. So you're yeah. definitely going to have issues in that regard. You want to see him get a little lower, but you like with what you what he's shown with the violence in his hands to be able to disengage in terms of the flashes. And that's kind of where I was at with that pick overall. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think that's probably the range. It seems like, um, you know, late first kind of top 50 value kind of seems where Sanders is going to probably go. Yeah. Um, at least that's where he seems like it's um, his talk is right now. So I definitely like that pick, you know, inside linebacker has been dreadful for the Steelers for a long time. And, you know, whether I think we can both probably expect Robert Spillane to be back in some capacity. We'll see what they do with Miles Jack's cap hit. Uh, but there's still no long-term answer on the roster right now, and that's very evident. So adding a guy like Sanders, I think, makes a ton of sense. Um, so, all right, back to me. So my second-round pick, um, I am going to take Anton Harrison, uh tackle from Oklahoma. So – the tackle selection in round one is going to be tricky. I think that Paris Johnson is obviously going to be gone. Peter Skronsky, I view as more of a guard. Um, Broderick Jones, I think, has a good shot at going somewhere in the top 20. I'm not sure that he makes it to 17. Um, that next tier of tackles probably comes off the board like late first, early second. And I think Harrison is in that kind of realm with Darnell Wright and some of those other guys in that range. But the thing that I like about Harrison, um, he has tons of experience starting a left tackle uh, for the Sooners. Really, really sweet feet. Like yes. love the way he's able to get out of his stance. He's a really good mover and not just as a pass protector, but the way that he can climb to the second level in the run game. I think he can get out in space. He can do things as a puller for you. Um, and then just, you know, I've watched him go up against a, a couple different style of edge rushers, you know, speed rushers, power rushers, and he seems to have an answer for all of them. He's a powerful kid who packs a punch between his hands. Um, I think that he exposes speed rushers when they try to beat him around the corner. Like he has no problem getting to the apex of his drop um, and kind of neutralizing those guys. So there's a lot to like with Harrison just from a measurables or tools perspective thing that I got to see more of is I need to see more consistent hand placement. And what I mean by that is he can get a little bit wide. The overall technique of things isn't, I don't know. I don't know if he's a guy that you necessarily want to play week one, uh, depending on how his development comes through um, during training camp. But I think the Steelers already have a guy in place and Dan Moore that's going to give you baseline left tackle production so that you don't necessarily need to throw him into the fire um, you know, week one anyway. So Harrison's a guy to me that I think his best football is ahead of him. And he's someone that I could see the Steelers potentially looking at if he's still available at that 32nd pick, you know, you've got a bunch of teams that could probably use a guy like him. It's just where his value ends up, you know, post combine and stuff, I think will be really interesting to see, but, you know, I think he's a really good mover in short spaces. Um, and I, I, I think he's strong and can, just flat out dominate some of these smaller edge rushers. And uh, I really like this film. Yeah. Um, Anton Harrison is also going to be working with, uh, with offensive line coach, Paul Alexander, who has Saw had that. a reputation for, you know, being able to develop guys. And, you know, you like to see that with these more athletic offensive linemen who might not be the best 
in terms of their polish with their hands in terms of their hand usage. So that's something I'm really, you know, looking to see is like the improvements that he, he will he'll be able to make in terms of just like, you know, his placement and throughout the process, you're going to see guys like that, you know, the six five three fifteen tackles with all that length, you'll 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 see them. They they typically like to rise, especially when they do when they look really good at the combine. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty common overall. But the thing with Harrison, you know, you, you like to you know you want to see more improvement overall with his hand usage. You know, he's more of a rawer guy than say like uh, Paris Johnson or obviously a Peter Skaronsky who's Mm -hmm. more of a technician. So there's going to be more projection involved there, which is why it would make a lot of sense at pick 32 for sure. Yeah. And I think with, I think too, with, um, you know, Harrison, I I just think that relatively speaking, I still think that there's a decent runway here to where you could get a really good tackle, you know, maybe not a guy who's going to be, you know, top five at his position at the next level, but I do think that Harrison has a, a good amount of potential. And something I wanted to point out too with the hands, like um, Harrison will flash like independent hand usage to where he's not always two hand lunging. Like he'll throw an inside strike in there. It's just, it's not overly consistent to me, the timing of it or the placement of it. And that's just something that he's going to really have to work on, especially at the next level where edge rushers are so talented and those little missteps become yeah. into become, you know, disasters um, throughout the pass rush. Right. But, you know, I like the tools. I, I think he's a good player. Um, my next pick, I went with defensive tackle Mozzie Smith from Michigan. So, Smith was one of the first players that I did a scouting report on through the cycle. If you guys are interested in a more in-depth look at him, you guys can check out the site under the NFL draft tab. And there's a full scouting report on Mozzie Smith, but here's the kind of skinny on Smith. Um, He's the number one player on Bruce Feldman's freak list. Um, Just an absolute incredible athlete, Um, you know, explosive, extremely strong, can move laterally for a big dude. I mean, I think they list him at like 335, but yeah. you know, his short shuttle, three cone times are all unbelievable, incredibly strong. Um, plays a pretty good leverage. Um, you know, I think that there there's he's more of a disruptor in the run game and what I mean by that is like he's not the traditional um, space eater zero tech space eater. I'm going to take two so that someone else is free type. But he's incredibly disruptive in the run yeah. game. I mean, he had over 20 run stops last season. He's just a handful to sustain blocks on because of the way that he can get around you. So um, I think that he has a lot of value as a run stopper. And then I think as a pass rusher, I think he might be a little bit further along than some people are willing to admit. It's not overly consistent with his pass rush repertoire, or pass rush plan, but you do see some counters. You know, he he does have a couple moves already in his toolkit. I saw him beat, you know, Ohio State literally to death uh, when they matched up this year. And Ohio State's got five offensive linemen that are going to play in the National Football League. So when you had that kind of tape against, um, you know, pretty good competition combined with the athletic tools, I'm willing to take a chance here inside the top 50, even if that is a little higher than I think most people currently have him going. Um, And then when you look at it from the Steelers perspective, they really need a nose tackle. Um, They wasted, in my opinion, a lot of snaps last season uh, between Tyson Alualu, 
you know, just he wasn't the same player post-injury, which I think was unrealistic to think that he would be. But when you look at him and Montrevious Adams, there's a lot of snaps going into those two guys that I think when you extract those and implement someone uh, like Smith who has a really high ceiling, I think it's a really attractive option at this point in the draft. So it fills a need, and I think that Smith is a really good player who is going to be even better at the pro level than he was in college. Yeah, for sure. The thing about Mozzie Smith, you know, you mentioned him not being the sp- the traditional space eater. So that's going to be where you want to see more like projection in that role, especially because the guy's so large and just so strong. Um, something you mentioned to me personally was you didn't feel like he always showed that level of explosiveness on film in terms of just being able to get off the ball consistently. And I thought that was kind of interesting overall because he does, you know, he's a very big guy who moves well laterally, but there might be some, there might be some embellishment overall on his explosion overall, which might be interesting to see throughout the uh, process. You know, some of those guys, it's just a technique thing. Sometimes they just don't, they just have issues getting off the ball and, you know, they're actually that explosive. They just don't always show it. It's, it's definitely something we got to watch with him, but you mentioned the pass rush upside. Like that's, that's the thing you're drafting. It's real. It's real. I mean, he might be a two down player year one, but I do think that there is sub package rusher ability down the road. So, and yeah, just another thing, uh, just to kind of explain what I was seeing with Smith's film, he's incredibly explosive when he gets going. It's just, he, his like first step is really not that quick. And especially for a guy that's that powerful and that explosive and pretty much every other aspect of his game, it's really weird to me that he wasn't like one of the first guys off the lot of scrimmage um, and creating that first significant initial contact with blockers. So um, he's a guy that I think um, could probably benefit from really focusing in on that through the draft process. Um, it could be a technique thing. It's a little harder to see false steps depending on the angle of the film. You know, if you're looking at it from the offensive side, if you're a a nose tackle, it's hard to see if they're false stepping. Whereas if you're looking at an edge rusher and they're playing in a wide nine technique, you can clearly get a good look at their feet to see if, you know, they're lifting that uh, front leg up first. So Smith, I definitely think is a good player. Um, He's someone that I really like for the Steelers too. He had some off the field stuff um, that he's going to have to explain to draft to, you know, teams at the combine, but I don't anticipate that it's going to be a huge, huge deal for his stock. So uh, without further ado, let me, uh, let me have your next two picks. All right. Uh, next pick, uh, I went with Clark Phillips at 49. And, um, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about the draft process is, you know, guys that we liked earlier on, how, where do they end up standing when all these bigger, oh, yeah. taller, longer guys, you know, test out of the wazoo at in, in the gym and, you know, just where, where will they ultimately stand? You know, we saw guys like Asante Samuel Jr. go way lower than he probably should just because he was a shorter corner overall. And I could really see Clark Phillips going in that 32 to 49 range. And I think 49 might be, oh, might be way, might be a little too far for him overall because I think his tape is just that damn good. Like you don't see guys who just compete constantly and just have just have constantly good film just on the on guys hip pockets versus some of the best receivers in the country just really smooth feet smooth ability 
to turn his hips. You can play him from an on, you know, he's got more aggression than you think. So he, you know, he plays really feisty. He plays with some good technique despite in, in a press situation, there's some similarities I see to Joe Hayden in, in some regards in terms of his ability to just play from multiple alignments. I think he's more scheme versatile than he'll get credit for. But mm-hmm. the problem is his teams will look at his size. They'll look at the look at the length and they will be less than enthused overall about it. So that's where I was kind of at with Clark Phillips. I, I just thought Clark Phillips at 49 just seems like an utter steal and getting like a corner that late later while being able to plug up certain areas of your team that aren't as big of a deal it seems to me like a seems to me like a like a like an interesting option to explore for sure yeah phillips to me he he's a guy that I've liked for a long time i've been talking uh cp3 uh kind of what i refer to him as cuz i think is he is he a junior or a third is it is he Clark Phillips the third? Is He's Clark name? Phillips the third. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I was calling him CP3 earlier uh, in the year on Twitter, but he's a, he's <laughs> a fantastic player, man. Like you talk about somebody that's just always in control of the rep. Like he's never in a panic. He's just a really smooth player. Rises to the level of his competition. I we already talked about Jordan Addison, how fantastic he is. I thought Phillips played him as good as pretty much anybody had in, yep. in during his college career. You know, he had a really nice pass breakup at the goal line. Um, I think they tried to they tried to hit Addison on. I don't know if it was an RPO or just like a regular slant, but they tried to get him uh, in on a slant route, and Phillips just played in control, got in that hip, um, and ended up breaking out the pass in the end zone. So he he's an awesome player, man. Like you said, Asante Samuel Jr. was a guy that I loved, and I think the comparison there is pretty fair. Um, he's going to get knocked down boards because he's not that tall. He's not overly fast. He's kind of small, um, got a slight frame, but the dude's a baller, man. The film is the film and you know, his film plays is really big. Impressive. Yeah. Plays a lot bigger than his size. Too. And one last note, could you imagine a training camp with Jordan Addison and Clark Phillips just going at each other? That'd be pretty fun. That, that, that would, that would be a, that would be a hell of a time. So for my next pick, I went towards the defensive line, similar to what you did with Mozzie Smith, but I went with Zach Pickens from South Carolina, who I really think he just has all this potential in terms of his ability. He has unbelievable length. He has really, you know, he's he's got really good power, but also just a surprising amount of pass rush ability that you can harness. It's It's not there fully with him yet. It's it's a bunch of flashes. It's not it's not consistent. I think he's a guy that would be better with better coaching overall because I've watched South Carolina plenty of times and I really do feel like they are one of the most poorly disciplined teams <laughs> for when it comes to like talent. There's just a lot of great like there's a lot of like athleticism. There's a lot of guys that are just like they're they're attacking, you know, they're doing they're they're trying to make plays they're just not consistently executing and i think that's you know that's something i keep i keep into account when regarding zach pickens development because i think there's just a level of untapped potential with him with the ability to two gap with his with his length but also just be able to be a space eater in in the middle like he commands doubles he can he he can really drive guys back and control the line of scrimmage and there's a surprising amount of pass rush ability there. Like I think a guy like that 
overall would just be a huge addition to this defensive line that really needs not just, you know, it, not just a, another, another body. It needs that, it needs that size. It needs that power, that athleticism, that upside you want to see in one of those defensive linemen. And maybe it's possible that Pickens doesn't end up going, you know, this low it like in the, you know, around the third round, but it's, still a potential possibility with the defensive line and you know where you know where guys end up going it's definitely not the most valued position overall in the draft so you mm-hmm. see guys like that end up going down a little more i'm going to have my eyes glued to Zach Pickens during the senior bowl cuz i think he's a guy that Pittsburgh is going to be very interested in throughout the process yeah and you, you t- we already talked about the ability you know those defensive linemen, defensive tackles, they can get it done in a multiple of different ways. You know, you have your disruptive types and you have your space eaters. Both of those guys serve a big function in terms of how your front's going to look. Um, and we've talked about the inside linebackers not playing very well over the recent seasons. But if we're being completely honest, they've had some issues on the defensive line, aside from Cam Hayward. You know, at nose tackle, at defensive end, um, not being able to keep those guys free has been – you know, somewhat of an issue as well, even if the linebackers themselves haven't played up to their potential either. So um, I definitely like the pick and shot. He's somebody that I definitely um, have on my list to watch. I haven't fully studied him, but just from what you've said and kind of some of the other people on Twitter that I take their opinions pretty highly, um, I'm excited to get into his film. So um, my next pick is going to be a guy that I really, really like and have liked for a long time. And that's Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. So, receiver there's a lot to like with Mims this dude was an immediate impact player for the Sooners as soon as he stepped on campus um you know he broke out pretty much immediately so just kind of the skinny on Mims explosive explosive playmaker um he can win vertically he averaged over 20 yards per catch the last two seasons this is a guy who has no trouble stacking defenders um, winning down the field, especially if you get him in the slot, he gets a free runway, it's over. I mean, good luck because you're not catching this dude. He has like legit track speed. Um, there's a couple other things that I really like about him. One being the fact that he is really good after the catch. You get the football in his hands, he's a playmaker, has good vision, can make guys miss. Um, you know, but the, the little things about Mims eval are things that I think draw me more to the Steelers aspect of this. And what I mean by that is um, he has experience playing outside and in the slot, but I think the slot's probably best for him early on. But I think I like the way that he um, processes things against zone coverage. I think that he understands like where the holes in zone coverage are. I think he plays really well above the rim, especially for a guy of his size. I think they list him like 5'11", 185, so not a not a big dude. Um, but I've seen him make some incredible highlight-worthy plays of uh, winning at the catch point. Florida and that's, State game especially. Yes, that is really rare um, and something that I really appreciate. I mean, we saw how big of an impact George Pickens made in that regard last season. He's not that dominant, but he's a lot better than you'd anticipate for a receiver of his stature. Yeah. And then also – I think he's a really competitive blocker. Yes. <laughs> I he's awesome and, as a blocker. <laughs> yeah. I, I always think I, that's, that's admittedly, that's always like one of the last boxes that I try to check when I'm like watching receivers, but you know, it is a box that I want checked and it's not necessarily always about how well they sustain the blocks. It's really about 
is the effort there because you could teach some technique things. And Mims, with his frame, he's never going to be this impact blocker that you're going to ask to come down and you know consistently crack and seal off safeties and run and in the running game. But he he fights, he competes, and I really really appreciate that, especially from a guy who's so explosive in other areas. I just think as a yak creator as a guy that can help you create some explosive plays on offense, which they've sorely been missing and the little aspects of his game. This is a 20. He doesn't turn 21 for a couple months. I just, I love the fit for Mims. I am really surprised um, that he doesn't have more love in the Steelers community. Um, the only thing with Mims is, um, you know, like I said, I want to see more, press coverage like in terms of getting off releases i think play yes. strength despite you know he he does compete at the catch point i think play strength in general is going to be a little bit of a concern and full disclosure this was one of the picks for me where i kind of just went with what i wanted it, even though i think it makes sense for the steelers but i don't see them waiting until the third round at this point to take a receiver i think it's going to be earlier but this is one of my favorite fits um for the steelers right now i've already got one of my guys in terms of Witherspoon that I think is a good fit, but Mims is right up there with me. Um, yeah. He's he's a player that I'm, I'm very much willing to bang the table for. Yeah. Um, one last note I want to give on Marvin Mims. He, in his, in his final two seasons at Oklahoma, he averaged 22 yards per catch and 20 yards per catch in his final season. That is absolutely absurd. absurd. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. Like that's, you don't see guys average that many yards per reception without being, you know, without having that vertical ability. But you mentioned it's the, the the contested ability is so underrated with him, and it really like I think that's a part of his game that people need to talk about more overall, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I forget I forget the actual play when this pod releases tomorrow. If y'all follow me on Twitter, I'll tweet it out because there was a play that I looked at specifically. Um, that I tweeted, but he made this incredible like sideline grabbing catch near the end zone, like the pylon um, during Caleb Williams's first appearance, I yep. think yep. Um, not this past season, but the year before. And I'll tweet that out for you guys. Cause I think it's a, uh, I, th- I think it's an awesome, awesome play. So I can't remember who was against it. It's going to make me mad. Maybe Texas. That might be who, that might be who it was against. But um, my next guy with the – so the Steelers have three day three picks, and we'll kind of run through these a little bit quicker um, yep. just because, you know, value on day three is always tough. I mean, the all-star games, the, the combine could fluctuate these guys' uh, stocks drastically, and then just, you know, the opinions on these guys are going to be all over the place. But um, – I actually went with a player that you've talked up a, a, a lot about that I actually was able to go back and watch a full game of recently um, last week. And it's uh, Dorian Williams, linebacker. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, yes, linebacker sir. from Tulane. I, I don't, truthfully speaking, I don't love this inside linebacker class. I have yet to figure out any non-day three guy that I'm like, this is my guy. Uh, and that's kind of depressing. Uh, <laughs> there's some day three guys like Damari and Overshone, uh, Dorian Williams, um, Ivan Pace that I think are, have starting potential in the right situation. Yeah. Um, and just kind of the skinny on Williams. Uh, I, he's, a, he's a little bit on the smaller side, but I think he's strong, man. He has good length. Um, I think that he covers distance really, really well. And what I mean by that, he can he can play sideline to sideline. 
I just I love the demeanor. The, the violence. Yes. Violent plays to the whistle every single play. Good stopping power on tackles. Not a guy that, um, you know, bigger backs are able to just kind of plow through and consistently fall forward. Um, I just I, I love the attitude that he plays with. And when I got through that first game, I was like, you know, I, I really want to watch more of this kid so I can get a better opinion. Which game but, did you end up watching? I forget. It was last week. I have I have it somewhere in my notes. Okay. But he was I, he was all over the place. I think I think he had like eight or nine tackles that I can remember. Um, you know, he's not a guy that takes consistently great angles, but he always seems to get there eventually. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think that that speaks a little bit to like play speed. Um, with Williams too, when I started doing a little bit of research just into his profile he has a ton of special teams reps. And I think when you're a day three linebacker, that is like 100% like a part of your profile that has to be there. Um, And that's why I kind of selected him with this spot. Um, Just looking at pro football focus, um, you know, he has 700 plus 759 special team snaps, uh, 16 career tackles on special teams. I think he could be a little bit more of a reliable tackler. There was some, um, you know, there was some times where he came in a little hot um, and there's some missed tackle numbers that are a little concerning. That's another thing that I'm going to try to look at um, with a, you know, microscope when I finish his eval, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. But um, just in terms of a profile, smaller linebacker that I think could potentially have a, um, a role, you know, e- even if it's not on defense early on, I think he's going to be an impact special teamer. And, you know, that, that was enough for him for me to take him here. Yep. Yep. For sure. For sure. You mentioned the missed tackles. You know, I think a lot of that is he needs to control his aggression. Come to balance a little bit better. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's definitely something that he's going to have to work on. So for my fourth round pick, I ended up going with Jacorion Bennett from Maryland. I figure Pittsburgh is going to is going to dig this corner class because it's overall pretty deep. But the thing with Bennett I think he provides a little more in the way of traits in terms of his athleticism. You know, he's an absolute freak in terms of his ability, in terms of his recovery speed, his agility, and I and his explosion. That's the thing I was I was really like looking for overall when it was coming to the thir- you know day three. You know, obviously haven't watched all these guys. Bennett, I've watched only a little bit of, but what I have seen with his ability to get in phase and just be able to contest the catch point. I think he's, I think he has quite, quite a lot of overall upside in that regard. He's going to be at the senior bowl, be a guy I'm going to be paying big attention to. Definitely someone I want to definitely someone I want to keep an eye on. I'm going to keep it kind of short on him because I want to get to this next guy Uh, for my net for the other day three pick Carter Warren from Pitt. I really think Kenny Pickett is going to talk this guy up. If people don't think, you know, if people think, you know, that he's going to have a huge say in what they draft, I think more than anything, they're going to be talking up. Car- he's going to be talking up Car- Carter Warren because Carter Warren was his blindside protector in 2021. He had an outstanding season. He has really good measurables overall. He is a guy who's like six, like six, five, like 320 something pounds. He has he has extremely good length too, but the thing that's really noticeable about him, he moves so well. His feet are so light, 
and just his ability to just mirror pass rushers with that sort of length and power. I don't know. Like it's kind of weird to me with Carter Warren because his film last year was extremely good and he only got to play four games this year because of an injury. He ended up, you know, not playing most of this year, but it it feels like his name is just kind of dropped off the face of the map. He's going to be at the shrine bowl. He's going to be a guy that I really am curious to see how he ends up doing because I think he has really good tape. I think he has the measurable upside. I think the fact the only the, like the biggest me- downside overall is he's 24 years old and I don't really care about that with tackles. I care. Can you protect my quarterback? Can you maul someone in the run game? And he can do both. And I, and if you have the measurables, you know what? Getting this guy on day three, I would be ecstatic. I would like, th- this is the type of pick that would just have me like g- jumping for joy for sure. Yeah, that's, I feel like he had some draft steam before he got he hurt, right? I mean, yes. it, it seemed like his name was on my timeline. Of course, that some of that is just because, um, you know, he I follow a lot of pit pit folks, but I do feel like he had some level of draft steam before beforehand. Um, the Dorian Williams game that I, I checked out, I just went back and looked. It was Houston uh, from yes, this past game. So, um, but yeah, that I, I think that that makes sense. And you talk about double dipping at corner. It will depend on what they're able to accomplish in free agency, I think, depending on, you know, because they only have seven selections right now. They're not going to get any comp picks. But in terms of um, just the draft strategy in general, I'm always a fan of trying to take advantage of the depth uh, of certain classes positionally uh, when that opportunity presents itself. And this corner class is really freaking good up top, but it's also really deep. So I think, um, you know, it makes sense to try to get, you know, a second guy, especially, um for a team like the Steelers who have, you know, they got Cam Sutton, who's a free agent. Hopefully he's brought him back. But, you know, they've got a lot of guys that um, are only signed really through next season. Guys like Levi Wallace. We'll see what happens with the Kilo, James Pierre. Um, so there's a lot of question marks. And I think double dip in there um, and giving Terrell Austin two guys to develop, I think makes a lot of sense. For sure. All right. Um how many picks you got? I got two picks left. How many you got left? One. I got one pick left. Okay. Uh, I'm going to speed through Yep. Uh, speed through the rest of these. But um, I'm going to take you to Sierra Abdullah from, from Louisville. I, this is a guy that I brought oh, up on guy. the pod um, about a month ago. And, you know, I just – I really like watching Abdullah rush the passer. He was incredibly productive last season. Um, he really, I feel like, broke out. Uh, finally, as a pass rusher, um, you know, Louisville's got another guy, Yaya Diaby, who's going to be kind of in this same range on day three with a good chance to get um, selected. But the thing that I really like with him is um, he's explosive off the ball. I mean, he's explosive off the ball. He can win the corner. Uh, he's a pure speed rusher. But what I like about him is he does such a good job reducing his surface area around the edge. And what I mean by that is like when he gets to the apex of his rush, he will drip his shoulder. He can get underneath tackles, punches to win the corner. Um, Just incredibly disruptive. I think he's really productive. Um, The Steelers, you know, they need edge depth. And I don't know that Abdullah is necessarily ever going to be a every down player. But as someone who should absolutely get a helmet and can help you in pass rushing situations, I think there's value in that. Um, 
you look at what a guy like James Houston did for Detroit this past season as a pass rush specialist, a guy that, you know, really wasn't sought out um, in the NFL draft process. He goes in the seventh round. I think he ended up finishing with like seven or eight sacks and pretty much Detroit was only putting him out there on third downs. But I think that having a guy like that who can consistently win one-on-ones, um, I well, it remains to be seen whether Abdullah can do that against, you know, top competition. I don't think he's going to go out there and get eight sacks as a rookie, but um, I think he plays with, um, you know, with good bend. I think that he, you know, plays really hard. Pursuit um, is all really, really good things. There's a lot to offer as a pass rusher, and that, that, that to me um, makes this kind of worth it. He's a guy that's going to be at the Shrine Bowl, so if you guys want to check him out a little bit further, um, I think that this is a setting for him that is going to um, kind of magnify his strengths because I think he'll dominate one-on-ones. I really do. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Just one, one last thing on Yasir Abdul. You know, you mentioned James Houston as a situational pass rusher. You, you really won me over with Yasir Abdul. Cause like, I, I love guys that can just bend around the corner and just be able oh, to He's bending, man. Ankle flexibility yeah. for days. Yeah, he he's 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 probably my favorite pass rusher going into the shrine into shrine week. I'm, I'm curious to see how he ends up doing. Yeah, and then for my last pick, I think the Steelers are going to take a quarterback at some point in this draft. Um, there are a lot of older quarterback prospects that I think offer value as backups or development developmental guys. Um, you look at like Stetson Bennett, Max Duggan, guys who played a lot of football. But I ended up going with um, Jaron Hall from BYU. This is your guy that you've talked up a lot and maybe not as much on this podcast. I know I've seen you talk about him in years past, but, um, you know, he's going to be at the senior bowl, um, six foot, 200 pounds. I think he's got a good arm. He can access all levels of the field. Um, He can create on his own a little bit when things break down in the pocket. I think that there are enough similarities between him and Pickett's game where I think that you can see him fitting into um, a backup role to where if like Pickett were to get hurt, you wouldn't have to completely change the offense for him when he got inserted into the game. So um, he's dealt with a ton of injuries, man, but I think he's yeah. a really resilient dude. He's an older prospect, think like 24, 25 years old. Um, he has like A plus intangibles. Um, he has really high marks like football character wise. I always see him talked up on the timeline in terms of like his leadership ability. When you're talking about a guy that's going to have to be fighting for a roster spot, I think there's more than enough uh, arm talent there for him to make a roster, um, potentially as a rookie, as like a third string guy, and then maybe somebody that you could develop into like your backup quarterback on a cost-controlled contract moving forward. Yeah, definitely could see that. Uh, I think Jaron Hall will end up going a little bit higher than this, but, you know, I like the pick. I like the pick a lot. Yeah. All right, finish this off, brother. All right, well. The last pick I ended up going with was Wanya Morris, who is Anton Harrison's uh, r- running mate on the opposite side. Yep. Uh, Morris, sh- he's got some surprising amount of traits in terms of his ability to move. I was really surprised with just how fluid he is when he's asked to pull and move move in space. There's definitely some rawness with his hands overall, but I'm really excited to see him down he's he's got a senior bowl invite and you know you want to see guys like that really really shine there especially with those guys with his athleticism those traits he's definitely being a little bit more overshadowed than his running mate anton harrison who's considered like you know among the top tackles in this year's draft but Mm -hmm. i figured pittsburgh needs offensive line depth because 
they let's be let's be real they got really lucky with their how with how healthy they end, ended up sure. being overall yep. throughout the year so that's kind of where i was at with Wanya morris i was like i'll go high upside with the developmental tackle and that's just where i felt yeah I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, and I know we kind of sped through a little bit of this, uh, the seventh round guys, the day three guys, just because um, the the values on those players might change uh, pretty drastically over the next couple of months. But yeah, um, I do want to just point, make a, make a point, you know, this seventh round, having these two picks, when you guys are doing your mock drafts, like definitely take those seriously. Cause I mean, you look at some of the playoff teams, and what they've gotten from seventh rounders just from last season. A good example of that is Kansas City. They picked Jalen um, Watson. Jalen Watson and Isaiah Pacheco. So um, those are two starters on a team that's in the AFC championship game. You know, so I, I definitely think that um, you know, we as you know, draft analysts sometimes um may have a tendency to gloss over that area of the draft, man, but it's every year you can find potential starters. You can find like instant contributors, um, you know, not consistently, but there's always guys that come out of every class that end up surprising you. So um, it's going to be awesome to see like who those guys end up being in this class. Um, that's one of my favorite things that I do like a couple weeks before the draft. I try to like put out a list of, you know, potential sleepers that I like guys that I think are fringe draftable guys that I really like. And then trying to go back in a couple years to see like, you know, if any of them were able to stick on rosters or anything like that. Yeah. But um, I'm just going to recap really quick uh, our selections and then we're going to get out of here. But uh, I'll start off with my mock draft. I went with uh, Devon Witherspoon corner from Illinois uh, left tackle Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. Nose tackle Mozzie Smith from Michigan. Wide receiver Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. Linebacker Dorian Williams for Tulane. Uh, edge rusher Yassir, Yassir Abdullah from Louisville. And quarterback Jaron Hall from BYU. And for Nick's mock, uh, he took Jordan Addison from USC. Drew Sanders from Arkansas. Clark Phillips, uh, cornerback from Utah. Zach Pickens, the lineman from South Carolina. Ja'Korian Bennett. Cornerback from Maryland, Carter Warren, tackle from Pittsburgh, and Wanya Morris, uh, tackle from Oklahoma. So I really hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, let us know in the comments if you like the mock drafts, like who'd you like, who, who didn't you like, uh, who would you like to see uh, in black and gold. And uh, please do me a favor, check out Nick and myself stuff on osseos.com. We got plenty of draft profiles up there for you guys, plenty of content coming forward. We appreciate um, all the support on the channel. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash all talk. Uh, we will be back with you guys next week uh, with another episode. So y'all have a good week. Peace. Peace.